Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned into episode number 503 of Linux in the Hamshack. And this episode is our weekender. And I'm probably going to have to go back and check so I don't screw this up, but it's what, the 103rd, right? 103rd, yes. Yeah, 103rd on 503. So there we go. We're going to dive into some random topic that the picker wheel chooses for us. And then we'll do a bunch of hedonism. And then we'll go on with the rest of our lives. But before we start, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. All right, so we're ready to start. I think the audio on my end is working properly now, so I've got the picker wheel loaded up. I randomized it five times. Going to hit it and see what topic it comes up with. And hopefully it's one we actually know something about. This is one I threw in, so it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. Uh, it's Sentimental Journey, Earth's Best Places. And uh, I put this in there as uh, basically like, where have you been that has just been a magical place on planet Earth and why kind of thing. So I don't know how we want to start with this. I'll, I'll let Bill uh, take take something. because. <laughs> uh, Oh, I had to go first. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, boy, because basically I'm making you go first because I can't think of anything right off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm. You, you've been, been to just... more places than, than I have, too. So Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to pick just one place that is. Uh... Well, it's not a place. It's, you can pick many places. I'm just saying, like, uh, if there was a place you could go back to that you've been to, what, like, what would be the top of your list? Yeah, Northern Italy for sure. Uh, I love going there. It's so much fun. Uh, the food and wine is amazing. Um, like, specifically, uh, Padua or. Uh, uh, Reggio Emilia. Yeah, the, both those are really good. Um, you can get to everywhere else from there as well, from the, the northern side. Um, See, yeah, Italy, the, a country I've never been to, so my, my parents have been there. I know they yeah. love it, but I, I don't know a thing about Italy other than <laughs> what I've seen on TV. Yeah, it is it is quite amazing, and I think it's still uh, quite a bargain um, for, like, the main European countries. Once you get into, like, uh, I guess if you get into, like, the Czech countries and stuff like that over that way, uh, which I haven't been, I hear they're really nice and well, very well affordable. Um, but, uh, yeah, I really liked Italy. Um, I would like to go back to uh, Korea again, South Korea. 
What, no North Korea? What's wrong with you? Yeah, no North Korea. <laughs> no, I don't think that would be a great idea. <laughs> um, yeah, I was there uh, a long time ago now, um, but the uh, they also have um, you know cherry blossoms kind of thing going on. And we were there when they were all blooming, so that was that was really cool. And it's kind of an interesting, interesting place um, that I, yeah, I did, definitely did not get to spend enough time in. Um, the food there was amazing as well. I guess everywhere that has amazing food is great. <laughs> 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 you know, some of the some of the beach towns in uh, in France were really nice, like Pornic and um, oh, geez. Uh, you know, kind of that region over there towards Nantes and stuff like that. Uh, definitely some pretty countryside. There was, uh, uh, they have, uh, uh, like Merlin's forest or something like that uh, over there. That was kind of a cool little walking path with like mystical, uh, fountains and stuff like that. Um, that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, geez, I can't, I can't, uh, I mean, New Zealand was nice too. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it's, I, yeah, everything's nice. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I have been lots of places, um, but yeah, like I, my top list to go back to would definitely be Italy again. Like, if anybody said we're going to Italy, it's like okay, fine, we'll just go. That's not even a question. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, other places I might like. Eh, I don't know. You know, you know, Paris is nice, but like they're burning it down now. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Oh, I keep on doing something weird to my mic. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of like on my list, I think, uh, for more sentimental, interesting journey places. Yeah. What about any anywhere in the U.S.? Uh, anywhere in the U.S. Um, or North America, let's say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I would. I mean, I I wouldn't mind going back to Alaska again. Uh, going up uh, toward. Uh, you know, out of Anchorage towards like uh, Girdwood and and Portage Glacier Lake, and that area is just spectacularly beautiful. Um, and of course, amazing seafood as well. Uh, <laughs> of course, it's all about the, the all hedonism, about right? Yeah, it's all about the hedonism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I <you> go. Know, uh... <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. That's probably. I mean, like, there's a nice places in, in the U.S. Obviously, I mean, there's. Uh, you know, the Blue Ridge Mountains are, are quite nice. Uh, did some hiking up there. Um, the Great Smoky Mountains. Um, and of course, you know, all the, uh, all the stuff around here is really cool too. Like hiking in the Baratus is amazing. Hiking in the national parks, uh, Glacier and, uh, and Yellowstone is quite amazing. Um, should be interesting to hit some of those hikes now that we've had the flooding from last year that sort of washed out some of the uh, some of the more uh, trotted paths and stuff like that. But uh, I have not have not been out uh, in in a while for that. So maybe this summer would be I might be able to squeeze some hiking in. My uh, travels have been much more limited. I have done a bit of Western Europe though, so that's. Some of the places I would go, I, I mean, I, I went to several countries in Western Europe, but of all the ones that I went to, my uh, mother's homeland is the one I would really like to go back to. Uh, she's from southern Sweden, 
and that area is really, really nice. Uh, it's on the coast of the North Sea, uh, the part of Sweden that she's from, and it's uh, it's like a, I don't know, 40-minute drive or something into Helsingborg, and then from there, it's a ferry ride, or I guess you can sort of go around the Horn, and there's a bridge there now to get into Denmark. And I would love to go back into those places. Uh, Legoland is in Denmark, too, the real one, which is really cool. I think it's, I've heard it's much better than all the other ones. So Alaska, yeah, Steve is mentioning Alaska in the chat. Have not been to Alaska. I feel like it would be a great place to go, but maybe like on a cruise ship, you know, down through Juneau or something to see it uh, from afar. Uh, I feel like... It would be awesome if we if I could go to like Fairbanks or Nome or or something like that. Some of the places up into the interior and northern parts of Alaska, but um, I'm not exactly a rugged outdoorsman, so <laughs> <laughs> um, they do have roads there, you know. So oh no no no, I understand they have roads. Uh, like <laughs> to some of those places, there's only one, and they're only accessible in the summertime, but. Uh, we're talking about places we've been. So yeah, southern southern Sweden, or probably any part of Sweden in Denmark, I would love to go back to for sure. Uh, in the United States, I I go to Arizona anytime. I can go to Arizona, not for not for the populated parts, but for the desert wilderness parts. I love the area around like uh, Globe and Apache Junction and places like that. Um, the area sort of southwest of Phoenix. Not not towards Tucson, but the other way, headed towards uh, California, uh, Gila Bend, and all of that great open desert nothingness. Love all that stuff out there. Um, big sucker for the desert anyway. Uh, where else? The most nostalgic place is is a weird one probably for, for being nostalgic, but it was really the first place I ever traveled to. And uh, it just carries a lot of weight in memory for me. And that's uh, west coast of Florida, like uh, Siesta Key and Treasure Island, places like that. Oh, yeah. Um, I've been back to them since, and they're definitely, they don't have the luster they did. <laughs> um, but the the fond memories of my youth still follow that area. So uh, I think I... Yeah, Cheryl was with me one time, and we drove out there, and I, I had like to take a five-minute diversion just to get out of the car and go into the ocean, or to the Gulf, I should say. It's not really the ocean there, but um, yeah, I love I love that part of Western Florida, and I was thinking of moving down there, but I'm kind of glad I didn't at this point. So, Florida's a little uh, weird these days, so. That's always been weird. <laughs> well, that's true. It's always been a little weird. Seems like it's gotten worse, though. Um, the the other parts of Western Europe, uh, you know, I I think they were great, like Germany and France and uh, Liechtenstein and some of the other places. But uh, yeah, that's really the uh, the whole pool I have to to pull from. I've been to a few places in Canada as well, but they just uh, they don't hold the the big nostalgia, the big you know memory trip for me as as the places I mentioned. So. Let's see what Cheryl is going to say on this. I think she's the least traveled of the three of us, but she must have someplace she wants to uh, remember or go back to. I, uh, I, you know, I, I have traveled most of the United States, or at least the southern part of the United States. Um, and there's there's been other little side trips to, you know, New Hampshire and things like that. Um, I think of my of the travels that I've made. The things that stand out the most was our trip to Niagara Falls. 
Uh, I would like to go back in the summer when the snow is not butt deep. <laughs> that that was not my favorite part of that trip. Um, I'm a huge Mickey Mouse fan, so Disney World, of course. Yeah. Although the first time we went to Disney World was much more memorable than the second time, because the second time I kept getting stuck on rides and stuff because they'd break down. So that that did not leave a, a nice memory in my book. Um, my grandparents lived in the Phoenix area as I was growing up, so there were tons and tons and tons of trips to Phoenix. Um, I do not like Phoenix the way Russ does. I like Phoenix in the winter because it's warm, but that's about it. Um, and other than that, let's see here. I really like San Antonio. That's that's a favorite place that I like to go to. Not terribly wheelchair accessible, but uh, going down along the Riverwalk is kind of fun. <clears throat> and other than that, um, I don't know. There's some local places like Eureka Springs, Arkansas, that's really pretty. Um, and, you know, Branson, Missouri, of course, has a ton of memories, you know, tied to it. But other than that, I don't know. Chicago was kind of fun in its own quirky little way. But I can't think of anything that just really stands out. So Yeah, we've been to Chicago a few times for various reasons. And it's it's always been interesting. I mean, it's it's quite a city, especially if you sort of get down into it in the areas like west and north of downtown and just kind of you know get into the neighborhoods and stuff it's uh it's a really interesting city um but i haven't really spent enough time there to be nostalgic about chicago unfortunately um, i'm sure we'll make a trip up there it's only it's only what eight hours away seven and a half eight hours away something like that from here yeah. so not not a huge journey to get up to chicago if there's ever a reason there's always great memories tied to trotwood and hair arena. <laughs> I don't have a lot of nostalgia about Dayton. No, not no, no, not any <laughs> nostalgia. Just some memories that. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that would Dayton, Ohio, would not be part of my sentimental journey. <laughs> no, no. Um. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's not to say there aren't memories because there certainly are, but. <laughs> Steve, Floating so, toilets, uh, caving in ceilings, you know. <laughs> All the best things in life, right? Steve, yeah. uh, we need to drop him a line if we ever get back out to Arizona. So we definitely okay. we ever go out that way again, which I'm going to try and make a point to at some point. I mean, I do like, I do love the trip out there. The trip from here to Phoenix is, is one of my favorite places to drive through, even though most people would probably find it tedious. But going down through Oklahoma and across 40, and and down into you know, like getting into uh, the area around Winslow and and then going down off the Mogollon Rim on whatever road I took it was like 377 or something from Holbrook down into Payson I think and and then into into Phoenix sort of not the mo- well probably more direct but less traveled um, you know path and. Uh, there was like an elk forest through there and lots of hills and, and of course desert. And it was a, uh, it was a fantastic drive and I would definitely do that again. So another I, yeah, was just, Albuquerque. Well, yes, I forgot about Albuquerque that that is sort of in the middle there. So yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but my, my, you know, fond memory of that was the balloon fiesta. <clears throat> Cause that was, you know, early mornings, late nights, but actually being there for that was extremely cool. So 
Yeah, Albuquerque. We did that little trip through Albuquerque and up into Taos and stuff like that. And yeah, but see, that's that's sort of my the landscape I love anyway. So that trip through Albuquerque and, and northern New Mexico was uh, fantastic as well. But we only did that once. We'll have to go back out for the fiesta again. All right. Well, I think that about covers it. <laughs> so uh, I need to get to more places. I think is what what the uh, crux of that is. So. So that I can be nostalgic about. See, I, I wax nostalgic about places I've never been because all, all the places that I feel like would be the mo- most cool places to go and to remember are the places I haven't been yet. So I guess, you know, we'll find out if we ever get there whether my uh, my future memory of them is as good as the actual place. So because yeah. I haven't even been to, the, to Great Britain, any part of it. And I really want to, like more than anything. So yeah, that's pretty fun. But I mean, I mean, I I try not to go there. <laughs> uh, yeah, and after spending so long in Ireland, yeah, I figure that's I'm probably good for a while with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I were sick of something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but I've been to the UK. Uh, I don't know, three or four times. Three or four times. It's always fun. Um, but generally, you know, just to like London and Oxford and stuff like that, I don't really get around, unfortunately, when I'm there. It's always for something else. Yeah, John's saying I should be nostalgic for New Hampshire, and I absolutely am. There's, I've probably told this story to everybody at some point or another. We used to do a lot of cross-country skiing up around uh, Black Mountain and Lincoln and, and places like that, and that was always wonderful. I can still... I can still vividly remember the quietness of the woods and the smell of all the pine trees and everything when we used to do that. And so, yes, I am definitely nostalgic for New Hampshire to a certain extent. Um, and I always enjoy going back there for sure. But You also uh, miss the snow. I do miss the snow. Yeah. I, I, I like the fact that I can miss it and go back and experience it, but don't have to like shovel or <laughs> anything like that anymore. I, I like it in that way. You still have to shovel occasionally. Yes, extremely occasionally. So, but yeah, New Hampshire is a great state. And uh, you ask 10 people here, you know, something about New Hampshire, and five of them won't even know it's an actual U.S. state. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because i I expect that when somebody asks me where i'm from if i say new hampshire i I fully expect them to say where (laughs) well we we kind of had that discussion on saturday night we had a poker game and one of our friends came out to play his son has recently moved to new hampshire the dad had not been there nor really knew where it was so it was kind of quizzing Russ on where it was. And, you know, he at one point he said, so how do you guys get there? It's like, we always drive. And he's like, how far is that? And I was like, 22 hours. He's like, oh, that sounds painful. <laughs> <laughs> Russ is like, it's not that bad, you know. <laughs> the, the only part of it that sucks is Pennsylvania. Always has, always will. So, so if somebody could somehow put a, another portal on either side of Pennsylvania so I can just get through it faster, that would be great. So... There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you and Bill can build one of those. Yeah. That's going to take a lot of obsidian, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more than we could have access to. Yeah. <laughs> so tell someone you're from Iowa and they say, oh, yeah, potatoes. Yeah, that's true. Okay. We, 
Mm-hmm. When we think of Ohio, we pretty much or Iowa, we think of corn and pigs. That's yeah, that's what much. we saw. Corn and pigs, not not potatoes. <laughs> so so at least we remember it for a different stereotype, if that helps at all. It wasn't potatoes, Idaho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Potatoes is Idaho and Maine. Now, see, when I lived in Maine for for many years, and, you know, everyone's like, oh, Idaho potatoes, golden potatoes, russet potatoes. It's like, I I think at least as many come out of Maine. (laughs) We had, there there was infrastructure in Maine that actually affected the school year. Um, The uh, high schoolers would go to school two weeks early, like in mid-August during the school year, because they would get two weeks off for potato harvest so they could work the, the harvesters and stuff. Um, that's how much of a, you know, economic impact potatoes were on Northern Maine. So lots of potatoes up there, but yeah, pigs, pigs and corn. That's, that's Iowa. So, all right. Anything else to, uh, add to this or are we going to move on to some hedonism? I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> all right. Good. I figured we all were at this point. So, Anyway, let's go ahead and get into some hedonism. Let's let's get into the the things that make life worth living. A little food, a little alcohol, and uh, um, yeah, that's pretty much just food and alcohol. So, <laughs> and since uh, Bill said all of his best memories revolve around food, I think I think we know where we're headed. So, we always start this off with food. So we'll bring in Cheryl here to talk about some food and uh, a little uh, liqueur. Okay. So for my recipe corner this time, since it's pretty close to Easter, um, I picked something that's typically tied to Easter. In my life, I have three desserts that rock my world. That would be carrot cake, number one, cheesecake, number two, and key lime pie is number three, but eh, we're not going to count that. Um, So this time I picked carrot cake cheesecake bars, and it's super quick, super easy. the recipe is a little long and convoluted, so you have to look it up in the uh, the show notes. But um, even though the recipe is a little long, it wouldn't take long to whip these up and have them on your table for Easter dinner or for breakfast or lunch or just grabbing a snack on your way by. And for my drink corner, um, I have to add that Russ is a huge fan of Cadbury cream eggs. I am not. But this recipe is actually for Cadbury egg, cream egg shots. And not the caramel eggs, but the actual cream eggs that have the yolk-looking thing in the middle. And with that, you mix some Irish cream, some white creme de cacao, and some heavy cream. Uh, and you use the Cadbury cream egg, which you've scraped the, uh, the, the cream stuff out of and mixed with your liquor. Uh, you use that as your shot glass. So um, we don't have any cream eggs right now, but I'm very tempted to uh, throw some on the grocery list and maybe make some of these next weekend. So that'd be all right. Give it a try. Yeah, you scoop the guts out of a cream egg, huh? Yeah, yeah. You uh, you unwrap the eggs. You take the foil completely off, or at least halfway off. Uh, Get a hot serrated knife. Keep like a pan of boiling water, Andy. So your knife is hot when you're trying to chop through the chocolate and you want to do that gently because you don't want to bust the egg and that burns your shot glass part of it. Um, 
And then you, you know, you scrape the, the Cadbury cream out, mix it with Irish cream, white creme de cacao, and, and heavy cream. And if you have to, dark creme de cacao and milk will work in a pinch. But you mix that up good in the shaker and dump it back in your eggs. And your eggs are your shot glass, and you've got all the uh, the yummy goodness down inside of them. So, and I guess you could always use the uh, the strawberry or caramel Irish cream instead of just regular Irish cream. So, bumps sounds it up like, a little bit. Yeah, sounds like something you want to have when you have a serious sweet tooth. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, probably so. All right, it does sound interesting, though. I probably wouldn't have more than one or two of those because they sound like uh, sugar overloads. There's nothing worse than being hopped up on sugar and drunk. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, got to do what you got to do. I would say one would be my limit if uh, I could I get through it. Yeah, yeah I, I'd probably do the same. So It's a lot of effort right. for uh, one shot glass. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So. And the, they're not that big either, so you're barely getting your one or two ounces or whatever in there. So, well, it's you need six eggs for two ounces of Irish cream, two ounces of creme de cacao, and two ounces of cream or milk. So you need to bring some friends when you're doing this too, because <laughs> oh yeah, 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 definitely. So because I don't think you could. I I think if you make them ahead, it would uh, the eggs would eventually kind of melt oh, with the yeah. stuff yeah. in them. So yeah, yeah. Plus, they just melt in your hands anyway. So <laughs> you're right. Yeah, I I would think it'd be better to keep at least half of the foil on them, so that oh. way you got a little protection. You know. So I agree a hundred percent. All right. So moving on to some more sweetness, I'm stepping away from whiskey this week to review some rum. So this is the Kirk and Sweeney, uh, which I clearly mistyped in the Etherpad. Kirk and Sweeney Grand Reserva Rum. And I got some information off of the Kirk and Sweeney website. It says, handcrafted in the Dominican Republic, this rum adheres to the very strict regulations to be called Dominican rum. The process begins with hand-harvested, high-quality sugarcane that is pure. The byproduct of the sugarcane, blackstrap molasses, is then carefully fermented and distilled. The rum is then aged in a variety of American and French oak barrels, with the distiller conducting various steps of dumping, blending, and rebarreling through the years. The final blend is a selection of variously aged rums between 5 and 20 years, painstakingly hand-selected. This is indeed a rum well worth pursuing. It delivers an intriguing range of aromas from intense vanillas to faint notes of sherry and raisins, all built upon a notable undercurrent of roasted cane sugars. So, yeah. There was also a bit in the blurb about the fact that Kirk and Sweeney was the name of a rum runner, a uh, an illicit uh, boat that used to ferry illegal rum out of the Dominican Republic, and it was eventually caught and uh, put into service by the Coast Guard as the USS Chase. So, but it was totally decommissioned in the forties. So a little bit of an interesting story there, and I will say right off the top that the story of this rum is much more interesting than the rum itself, (laughs) which is pretty sad because I've had some really good rum, and I was hoping for a lot out of this bottle. It's a really cool bottle. Um, I will say that the cork is super annoying to get in and out of the bottle. It's just like a true... cork but the because the bottle has a wide mouth once you put the cork in it it's very hard to get back out when you want to so just keep that in mind so some details on this it's uh, made of 100 percent cane sugar obviously as rum needs to be it's bottled at 80 proof or 40 percent it does come from the dominican republic 
It's a reddish amber color because of the age of some of the rums in it, which can be up to 20 years. And all of these tasting notes are the distiller's tasting notes, not mine, because I don't think I have the, uh, the palate for rum that I do for whiskey. So I'm just going to read you what they say. Uh, on the nose, this full-bodied rum delivers an intriguing range of aromas from intense vanillas to faint notes of sherry and raisins, all built upon a notable undercurrent of roasted cane sugars. Yeah, I, I agree with that. On the taste, expert blending comes to life, which I wouldn't know that because I have no idea how it's made. But it comes to life with the first taste, revealing a deep vanilla flavor, followed by dried fruit, nutmeg, cinnamon spice, and a hint of oak. And I'm going to take another sip right now to see if I agree with that. I would put the oak a little further to the front in this list, but I'd say overall, it's pretty accurate. And finally, on the finish, smooth all the way through, this rum unwinds with a gently wavering sensation of oak, sherry, and raisin. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm, I can agree with that to you know as much as uh, I would with anything. Oh man, I just put the cork down. It's going to suck to get that back out. <laughs> <laughs> um, Didn't heed your own warning. I did not heed my own warning. <laughs> the thing, the thing that I would say is that all of these flavors are sort of as they describe what they don't say is it doesn't come off as a good combination i have had lots of other liquors like some some spanish brandies some portuguese rum and some other beverages that have similar notes and hints to them that are overall much better and for the age of this I was I was hoping for more. It's not terribly sweet. It's definitely on the dry side, even though it's it's made from sugar. And I did not find it particularly interesting, especially at fifty dollars for a bottle of rum. So unfortunately I'm gonna have to give it a pretty low rating, which I set at eighty one. So this particular rum, unless you just like a real wine, you know, wine and dry sherry finished liqueur. Um, this may be right up your alley, but it's not at mine. So I can't recommend it, but somebody else might give it a shot. I find there's a lot of other rums that are better than this. So I guess I'm just going to leave it at that. And we're going to move over to Bill who has a ride to talk about. Yeah. <clears throat> I picked this up, uh, you know, about a week or so ago. It happened to be uh, on sale. So I was like, okay, uh, it's the Pendleton 1910 rye 12 year. Uh, and this is a blurb from the website. Pendleton 1910 is a rare 100% rye whiskey distilled in O'Canada and is oak barrel aged a minimum of 12 years, featuring a round, rich notes of tobacco charred oak and butterscotch with a spicy rye kick and peppery heat. Uh, Pendleton 1910 rye whiskey is rounded out by, by the smoothness of maple and sweet cherry to provide a weighty and balanced yet complex fl- flavor profile. Uh, the 1910 names plays, plays homage to the year of the first ever Pendleton Roundup uh, that c- and comes packaged in an iconic 750 mil bottle with a unique and intricately embossed detailing reminiscent of the tooling on the saddle and features the famous Pendleton Roundup bucking horse. Uh, it's a work of art sure to be a favorite in any connoisseur's spirit collection. And it's a, it runs about I thought thought I got it for like thirty two or something like that or maybe thirty five bucks, um, but yeah, anywhere from thirty to forty dollars online is what I saw. So uh, some places might be cheaper than that too, you know, given sales and whatnot. But uh, you know, it's not uh, it's not 
it's not my favorite rye, but it surely is a good rye. Um, it's definitely got the uh, the peppery taste that I, I like to have. Um, it is only 80 proof, so it's a little lower proof than, let's say, you know, our, our litmus standard, right? <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the Rossville Union. <clears throat> but uh but yeah it's it's not a bad it's not a bad purchase it uh it it sips quite finely by itself um it does have like a um just it does have like a weird you know kind of reminds me of like the uh with the wild turkey funk or something like that it has like a little funk to it um but it's not off putting but there definitely is something maybe i don't i have never really had pendleton but maybe like once or twice in my lifetime so i don't have a good feel for like what uh what their what their flavor profile and water and stuff like that kind of lead to a certain taste or something like that but uh but yeah it definitely has like a um a thing to it I, i'll just keep it as a funk <laughs> but, but it's it a, has a specific character yeah or a funk yeah that works <laughs> a funk, yeah a funk it's it's kind of funky but it's good it's it's not bad yeah i mean it's i i probably wouldn't go buy it again but i wouldn't be afraid to buy it if it was like you know the only option and i wanted to rye so it, it it's pretty good all right really good i might have to try that i mean if it's you know around 30 32 a bottle it's probably worth picking up and giving it a shot compared to some of the other stuff i am hoping to very soon review the jay rieger rye because i had some and the the places up in kansas city where they're that are near the distillery it wasn't clear whether they carried it or not i i don't know if it's new it feels like it's kind of new but it's very very good so i want to get my hands on a bottle of jay rieger rye and uh review that and then it might be nice to have a bottle of this pendleton to to kind of put beside it and see how they compare and stuff along with the other ones we've talked about in the past oh absolutely all right, very good. Well, that comes down to the end of the hedonism for tonight, but we are going to talk about a couple of announcements, and then we're going to move into some social media stuff. So I will mention that our Hamvention GoFundMe is still live, but hopefully for not much longer because we are within $60 of our goal as of this podcast. So 60 measly dollars is all we need to close out the GoFundMe. So if you have the opportunity and a couple extra extra bucks in your pocket, please go ahead and send them our way. We would really appreciate it. And if you are unable to do that, if you would kindly share the URL, which will be in the show notes. But for reference, if you don't want to check the show notes, it's lhs.fyi slash hv2023, Hotel Victor 2023. And we should be able to knock out that $60 here really soon. And that will solidify our uh, getting to Hamvention and everything. We're all set up, ready to go. We've got our booth planned out. It's going to be a different layout this year than it has been in past years. So hopefully it'll be good. Hopefully it'll be um, more convenient for everybody who's visiting. And we'd love to see you all out there. And then Cheryl's going to talk about her uh, Pampered Chef thing that she's got going on. Okay. So for those of you that don't want to just give us money, you want a little bit something to show for it, I have set up a Pampered Chef fundraiser. 30% of the sales uh, from that go to our Hamvention Fund. And if you want to go grab you some something cool for your kitchen, run by pamperedchef.com slash party slash Hamvention 2023. We really need to shorten that. Um, 
And as I said, this this goes through March 1st. So if you go shop, anything that we get from that will uh, go towards our fund as well. So, and, you know, if we meet our $60 from GoFundMe, then we'll apply whatever to next year, or maybe go have a stiff drink, and, you know, thanks to everybody, or whatever. So, but if you want to grab something cool for your kitchen, instead of just giving us cash, you've got that option as well. All right, very good. Well, you're already queued up, so we'll let you hit the uh, subscribers, supporters, live participants, and, and all of that. The uh, much shorter list this time around, so uh, you won't have to like take a drink in between or anything like Yay. that. Yay! All righty then. <laughs> so for our new subscribers this time, we have none. We have no new subscribers and no Patreons. On Facebook, Brian Marklin joined us. Nobody joined us on Twitter. On Instagram, we have Darkstar underscore RF, uh, Rev Baraldo, Raphael underscore Hag, and Dragonfly I42. On Mastodon, we have NV4C, G1WVK, KC1SRI, Linux Sys666, and Isle of Man Dan. No one joined us on YouTube. There's no new mailing list joiners. On Discord, we have Chael Bronner, and on live chat tonight, we have John, K1BTZ, Tony, K4XSS, Steve, KA7HVT, Winston, KB2WLL, and Ted, WA0EIR. All right, very good. That brings us down to the end of the show. We want to thank everybody who joined us live in our Discord, which is where we record now. And uh, so we don't have the, the issues with Mumble that we had before. Things seem to have gone pretty smooth. The recording audio from last time seemed to be pretty good. So I believe we're going to continue doing it this way. And with that, well, let's go ahead and wrap up and get on out of here and let you get on with the business of your day or evening or whatever it is. And we hope you have a great week until we hit the deep dive next time around. So thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. This has been episode number 503, the 103rd edition of The Weekender. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at one nine zero nine. NHS show. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Hedonism.